Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Remanu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. You can also listen to us on the web at energyintuitive.com. And where else, Eric, can people listen to the show on the web? Oh, of course, they can find us on the brand new Alternative Talk 1150 website, which is 1150kknw.com. Just re- click on the Listen Live button. And I really like us. that website. You guys did a great job. Thank you so much. Very We've been nice. working hard on it for about a month or so now, and it's uh, finally got launched at 11.50 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday Aww, in the morning. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, we're very excited about it. So if you haven't had a chance, please, please, please check out our new website at uh, 1150kknw.com, and uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, as a host, what's so exciting is we each get our own page now. And so we can even put up blogs. We can put That's up right. pictures in the You've gallery. already got a new I blog do. update on there. Yeah. So pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's just lovely. You guys did a great job. Very, very nice. So thank you. That helps all of us here um, who are hosting shows. And, of course, it helps all of the listeners to figure out exactly what show they want to listen to. Exactly. Which yeah. is lovely. And then what their hosts are up to because we're mm-hmm. always into some sort of mischief, as you will. And you can even see what uh, your favorite host looks like, which I know c- it can be kind of uh, an interesting thing because... A lot of times, you know, you've listened to people for years and you have no idea who's talking to you. Well, now you can <laughs> click on the website and see uh, right, exactly. Right, right. Maybe some picture. updated pictures if you put your pictures in the gallery, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, sometimes people put up the host pictures and a decade goes by. Well, true <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, so there might be some updated photos, that, which is always adorable and very fun. So before we go, you know, it's Thursday, and um, one of my lovely things that I get to do uh, every week here on the show is to interview fabulous people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. And so, of course, we're going to do that today. But we're going to, you know, first talk a little bit about, um, I guess, politics is heating up is what you were saying to me earlier. Because, you know, I, don't, I listen to about two seconds of the news. Uh-huh. Or, I mean, actually, I don't even have cable. So I, I watch about two seconds of the news on Yahoo, and then I'm about done. Um, so, yeah, so well, I, it just seems like the the top news story for yeah. the uh, longest time has been the Republican nomination process. Right. And, uh, you know, as I like as the Daily Show has been calling it endless suffrage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it looks like I guess Mitt Romney is going to be the nominee on the Republican side. He, he won Excellent. a few more of these uh, races here. And uh, so the question really is, is Santorum going to drop out oh, now? Rick Santorum mm-hmm. is still claiming that he's going to hang in there till the convention. And uh, I guess Newt Gingrich hasn't got the message either <laughs> that he, he's no longer in the running. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think they're going to go all the way to the convention, but with Mitt Romney being the uh, presumed uh, nominee. Well, what I'm so excited about is it just makes my candidate a winner. You know, so I'm just thrilled that Romney's going to win the Republican candidacy. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just thrilled because then Barack So are will win. you? Oh, OK. I was going to say, it sounded <laughs> like you were saying you're pro-Romney. No, there. no, I'm just yeah. I, I am pro. I'm pro that he wins. So right. That my candidate can win the whole presidency, which I'm thrilled about. So. I think it's going to be an interesting race. That's it, for sure. It's uh, going to be quick. I think yeah. it's going to be kind of quick. It's going to be over think, pretty quickly. You know, there's there's polls that have shown, uh, you know, 
unnamed Republicans beating Obama. But now that there's a named Republican, I just think that the chances are very good that uh, Barack Obama is going to be reelected by a huge Absolutely. I'm (laughs) so excited. Wonderful. So now that we've covered um, some of the political woes of the day. Well, the one more controversial thing I just heard in the the news here and I thought was interesting was that uh, uh, apparently we've decided that it's caramel rather than caramel. (laughs) (laughs) That was in the news. No, no. People said it's caramel or and so uh, I thought that was interesting. I've always said caramel. Um, well, you but, can keep saying caramel; it's perfectly fine. With except me. when I'm in uh, when I'm in um, uh, Carmel, California, okay. I always call it caramel, <laughs> just to be annoying to people. But uh, you're hysterical. But it, <laughs> I, I just thought that was fascinating because finally, looks like we've we've come to a decision. It's uh, caramel. So, well, caramel is the the <laughs> name that I'm going to use. Um, so today I get I fuck the, the trends. <laughs> Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jeff Brown, a formal criminal lawyer and psychotherapist. He's the author of Soul Shaping, a journey of self-creation, recently published by North Atlantic Books, endorsed by authors Elizabeth Lesser and Ram Dass, one of my favorites. I just saw Ram Dass in November when I was in Maui. Lovely, lovely man. Soul Shaping is Brown's autobiography, an inner travelogue of his journey from archetypal male warrior to a more surrendered path. He's also the author of the soon-to-be-released quotes book, Ascending with Both Feet on the Ground. I love that title. And the co-producer and key journeyer in the soon-to-be-released spiritual documentary, Carmageddon. <laughs> Did I say that correctly? Carmageddon? Is yeah. it Carmageddon? Carmageddon. Carmageddon. So welcome to the show, Jeff. It's lovely to have you. Thanks, Marie. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to be with you. And, Thank you. And Jeff, before we get started, is it yeah. caramel or caramel in your it's mind? It's caramel. I just had caramel. a caramel bar, actually. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Lovely. I asked for a caramel bar, and nobody looked at me funny. So, <laughs> so we're all on the same page. I'm, I'm appreciating that very we much. Are. So I was reading your, and you're a very busy man, by the way. There's a lot of things I could be reading about you, not just your this particular book that's out, but of course, um, your. All the blogs and the newsletters that you do and the interviews that you do, you are a very, very busy man. Mm. <laughs> yeah, my my purpose has has really it's infused me with energy that I didn't know that I have and uh, that I had, and I, I I just can't seem to stop. Uh, well, I think that's true when when you when you decide because you know you obviously yeah. you know from I've read most of your book and you actually basically knew. Um, what your life path was, or you had great ideas towards it, in in my opinion, when I was reading it, even though, and you were much younger at the time, too, you were in college, and then law school, and, and you were, it was just adorable, this in, inner conflict going on, I'm sure it didn't feel adorable, but from... No, it didn't feel adorable, <laughs> I ate a lot of caramel bars just to soothe me and get yeah. me through it, no, it was, it was really complicated, but I had glimpses of path, what I call true path, or soul scriptures throughout my life, and course, I didn't know that what they were. I was really a real pragmatic, focused kid just trying to survive and push my way through and create a life for myself. And But then some sometimes in the heart of that, there would be other visions or pathways of possibility, like Jeff, Jeff Brown as writer or as healer or as something other than this warrior, trial lawyer guy. And it just seemed very clear as time went by that those pathways just kept pushing up against who I identified myself as until... I honored them. I had truth aches all the way through the process. So whenever I was about to step on the wrong path, I'd feel agitated or frustrated or there was like crazy dreams and like some part of me was dying. And so it was really obvious that there was something else that knew something about me living inside of me. And the trick was to get my consciousness aligned with that knowing. 
Yeah, and, and to let go of what you thought you needed to do to be yeah. safe, right? Or to Yeah, whatever safe is. And, right. and 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 it's something because we're we are still living in such a survivalist vibration where mm-hmm. we define who we are, you know, based on what we'll get get food on the table and secure some kind of a future income and all that and, and uh some other part of me didn't seem to care so much about that. Other <laughs> idea. Well, yeah. I, what I like in the book is there were obviously many guideposts towards being a lawyer. I mean, it, it, I mean, I think it helped you actually to finally I, make a yeah. decision. I loved it. I, oh. I, I, I'm not someone who left law because it wasn't a, a fit. I, I had glimpses of a famous Canadian criminal lawyer, Eddie Greenspan, when I'd see him on TV. I, you Adam. actually met him and actually uh, did an internship with him. I did. Yeah. I, I I knew as a kid I was going to know him, and then I articled with him and became very deeply connected to him in my apprenticeship here, did a big trial with him. And so, you know, that was an example of a... So law was part of my template of possibility. It wasn't a mistake. It just was something I wasn't supposed to stick around and do for very long. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. that ultimately choosing to practice law, because, I mean, in the book, there was, you kept going back and forth, back and forth with, you know, all this emotion and you know, pain about your choices. And I kept saying to myself, just choose law, just choose law. But do you think when you finally made the choice, which you did choose law for a period of time anyway, how long were you an attorney, a practicing lawyer? Like 15, about as long as it takes to eat a car milk bar. Um, (laughs) I I articled, you have to article in Canada for a year. I did a one-year articling year as part of becoming a lawyer. And that was like a five-year and one-year thing. And then I stepped back after that when I was called to the bar. And then I went back in for, I think, six or eight weeks. Oh, wow. After I think I'd made the decision to move away from it, just to confirm I'd made the right decision. And and maybe that's what helped you, was to finally choose it, even though it was a temporary choice for you. Because I love when you wrote in the book, you're... You, you've walked into um, a case that's going on, a trial, and, yeah. and the judge is being, I, I think your word was awful, actually, <laughs> and, and, and how everybody was having to do things that weren't in integrity or aligned with the soul's purpose of even what was happening to the person who was on trial, and how that yeah. was... Yeah, it just seemed like a game, Marie. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. and, and and not that it's you can't do honorable work in law. You absolutely can, and people do all the time. But it just it just didn't. It felt felt like I had shifted from the presumption of innocence as a focus to the presumption of essence. So I was seeing the judge in in a broader spiritual framework rather than just in his role and wearing his robes and doing his trip as the judge. It was I was just more interested in the deeper question of soul's journey than the simpler question of whether the guy did it or didn't do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you actually felt like you wanted to have a heart connection with the judge, you know, to help him yeah, balance. Yeah, I, I had visions, because I had, that time I had visions of being a healer, and I was playing with, like, ways to do that. And one of them was just to sort of do almost like Reiki, like have people on the table and just do energy work with them. So I, I had a vision of the judge laying there on the table and uh, and weeping, because below oh. his shtick really was a guy who needed to release, you know? And, mm-hmm. I was just really got, became much more interested in who lived below the masks and adaptations and disguises of modern life. I mean, that, that quite inquiry started with me. It w- wasn't uh, externalized, but then it became much more externalized. I became interested always in that question, like who, you know, who are we really and all right. of that. Right. Yeah. So do you think that writing the book um, was primarily because you wanted to inspire other people to follow the to not go to the toothache, I, I don't really know if the truthache. I'm, truthache. Yeah, what, I'm not exactly sure what that that defini- the definition of that is. But is that why you wrote the book to help people maybe avoid some pitfalls or the anxiety that you went through? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think we do these things um, that are our sacred purpose because by doing them, we actually ourselves be, uh, come into being. You know, mm-hmm. they're 
they're your pathway to divinity. It's how I be, feel complete and connected to something bigger than my localized self. But part of it is always inextricably linked to humanity, like it's relational. I'm writing for other, and mm-hmm. so it's all of that. You know, like I always knew I'd write, and and I remember this guy that I went to law school with came to see me when I was starting to work as a therapist, just to share his story of misery and. And I remember sitting at the table with him thinking, I got to write my story for this guy. You know, it was like very clear that this was something I had to wow. do. But, you know, really, whoever's benefited from soul shaping, nobody's benefited more than I have. But <laughs> because, because because honoring that writing right. voice brings me into wholeness. You a- know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a profound experience. You know, um, just even the back and forth is a profound experience between when yeah. you feel that that you're there and when you when you know that you're not and and how to get back to it and and what yeah. creates that pathway for you that you can be consistent with that's um, right can i give you read you the definition of truth ache i would love that okay it's in the soul shaping dictionary at the back of the book and it's on my site a truth ache is a nudging sense of falsity a symptom of our alienation from true path a sign that we are not honoring our sacred purpose they can come in any form, physical illness, emotional issues, self-destructive behaviors, a sense of hopelessness, although sometimes painful, although embracing them may well force us to turn our habitual patterns upside down in order to affect change. The truth ache contains the seeds of our transformation. Now, this is a bit kitschy. When we repress them, truth decay sets in, mm. and the only thing that can save us is a truth canal. Sometimes we wait too long and we lose our truth altogether. Right, right. I've, yeah. I've definitely, you know, I mean, I think we've all been there in some aspects yeah, of our life. Absolutely. And absolutely. then, um, you know, yeah, and then there's moments when we can notice it where someone almost feels like a ghost, you know, like a lot of yeah. their energy is missing from their body. Something happened. Something yeah, happened. yeah. And you speak a lot in the book about um, you believe that a lot of what our wounds come from and the things that hold us back come from our childhood. Absolutely. And, 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 and that's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, soul scriptures don't just include calling the calling to write or to be a radio show host. They include the emotional issues that we seem to keep stumbling upon. And, and, and to the extent that we can go into that material and work that material, and we transform in our spirituality on the other end of it. I said in Soul Shaping, repressed emotions are unactualized spiritual lessons. So mm. that stuff is actually the grist for the soul mill. We don't have to pull ourselves up and away from it to radically detach from it. We have to get into the heart of it and work it through. And I think that's how we grow and mature. Oh, beautiful. It's very yeah. well said. And I was looking at um, one of your uh, newsletters, uh, and um, you have the terms of the month in, in the newsletter, yeah. right? And so the habitual range of emotion. Right. right. Yeah. Because I, I kept experiencing that, that that it was like I had this comfort zone between armor and vulnerability. Like there was a place that was like it was too open for me, and then there was a place that was too closed. And depending on your history and maybe your soul history, I don't know, so many things affect it. We all have a, a, com- a habitual range of emotion, a degree to which we're willing to open, but we're not going to go much farther than that. And what I found is that as I opened and worked hard to like, you know, heal myself and open my heart and become a more open-hearted man, I found myself shutting down in other ways. So it was really clear that what I was doing was bringing myself back mm. to this comfort or discomfort zone, depending on how you look at it. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. So what are some of the techniques, or do you have techniques that you can recommend to folks to stay in the emotional place that they need to be in? Well, I encourage like 
really doing body-centered therapeutic work, whether it's holotropic breath work or bio or core energetics or just anything, just anything that invites your stuff out of hiding and allows it to move out of you, just to keep clearing out the channel, uh, both because of the lessons at the heart of the material, but also because the more room we have inside, the more space our sacred purpose has to unfold into. And um, so for me, it was just, I kept doing a lot of release work. I did a lot of anger and rage work. Mm. I did a lot of grief work. Um, mm. And I kept doing it not in a heady way, like, you know, talk-centered therapy only served me for so long. And eventually, I really needed to get into my body because that's where the stuff's juicy and that's where the stuff has to move from. And 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 really, most of the things that I was able to then do, like the more accelerated or or the achievements that meant the most to me often happened after really profound release phases. Mm. Well, that's important. I mean, because I yeah. think that could help someone stay in for the course of whatever they can stay in for that period yeah. of time. Um, Absolutely. That's a... it, it energizes you. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're holding too much stuff, you don't have the energy to be in the moment. You know, mm-hmm. you really don't. I call it the power of then. I mean, how do you get into the now if you're still completely trapped in this prior consciousness? You've got to move that stuff out of you to right. get into the moment. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we are talking with Jeff Brown, the author of Soul Shaping. We're going to take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show, and we'll be right back. Become a Reiki master the weekend of October 5th through October 7th at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2, and 3. You will learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants. Marie will be your instructor, guiding you with her own symbolic sight and providing constructive feedback. Take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified Reiki master. You will receive attunements that allow you to practice Reiki at the master level and information on the laws that govern professional practice in Washington State. Enrollment is limited. Please call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com, for more details. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath Dr. Sheila Dunmerritt to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health, and hormones. The DVD series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671. Shift your morning into overdrive with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on Alternative Talk 1150. Caffeinate your consciousness 6 a.m. weekdays with hot talk and great guests as you get your day underway with Mance and Mitchell, the most unusual radio show in western Washington. Presets adore us, snooze buttons fear us. Tomorrow, enjoy one of our favorite hours and a dynamic guest during an encore presentation of Manson Mitchell. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. 
For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. Body, Mind, and Spirit. Alternative Talk 1150 covers it all. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. We're live here in Seattle, and I'm speaking with author Jeff Brown. His first book, Soul Shaping, and you have a brand new book coming out. When is that going to be released? We're, we're talking about it, and my agent's shopping it, and I'm probably going to do what I did with Soul Shaping, which is put out my own edition of it uh, in mm. the meantime, something I like to do. So mm. probably at some time point in the next four to six weeks, um, it's called Ascending with Both Feet on the Ground, Words to Awaken Your Heart. And it's really just a primarily a book of my quotes and excerpts from Status on Facebook and um, two Apologies blogs that went viral, the Apologies to the Divine Feminine, the Sacred Masculine. That was lovely. I, I read that a while ago. It's just lovely, really nice. beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the book, and uh, I'm I'm ex- I'm real excited about this book. It it says a lot in it, but it says it real fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always nice. I think I think um, readers appreciate that. So, yeah. when did you get your degree in psychology? I did an MA at Psych at Saybrook. Um, I think I graduated around like 2000 or something like mm-hmm. that. Did my master's thesis on an uncommon bond love relationship that I wrote about in one of the chapters in Soul Shaping. And one of the future books that I'm working on is a higher consciousness love story where it kind of radiates from that experience. Mm-hmm. So that was the fun thesis to write. And so you actually do one-on-one sessions with people, of course, with your background yeah. in psychotherapy, um, yeah. on, on accessing their life purpose. I do, I do. They're on my website, soulshaping.com. Yeah. I do like sacred purpose sessions, and often we get into the emotional terrain because for many of many people, it's even if they can have a pretty clear idea of what they want to explore as part of their path, there's emotional material, self-concept issue, shame, unresolved stuff in the way, and so it ends up becoming really the sessions become really about all of that. And uh, I do a lot of them. I love I love that work. I love one-on-one work. It's fantastic. It's really fun. I agree. It's yeah, fabulous. It really is. And so um, Jeff will be answering phone calls, too, if you want to call in. Eric, what number can people use to call in? People can call us at 425-373-5527. Again, that's 425-373-5527 or toll-free, 877-825-8828. Again, that's 877-825-8828. Wonderful. And so we have a caller right now. We do. We've got Donata on the line from San Francisco. Hello, how are you? Hi. I'm fine. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Marie. Hi. Um, hi. I, I didn't know Jeff was going to be on, and I was taking so many notes, I've just decided to get the darn book. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's when you know it's, uh, um, I thought the phrasing template of possibility or possibility was awesome. Mm. Nice. So, uh, um, the reason I called Marie is, um, speaking about um, clearing out, um, I was, my life path has kind of been blown up as I know it. Um, I feel like I've either been dumped on my head or my ass, which depends on the day. But, um, you know, my marriage is over and, you know, now I'm thinking it definitely is a clearing out and, um, and maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. But I'm, I kind of don't have my points of reference and I, um, was wondering, um, what you were seeing, it's interesting, my mother, who's passed on, her birthday's tomorrow. Mm. And uh, I kind of feel like I want my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Well, I can only imagine she's right next to you, but maybe, Jeff, you can um, spread some light on this subject about feeling kind of lost in, um, in all these changes that are occurring in one's life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've become, you know, I, it took me a long time to get comfortable with that discomfort as a, so many of us in the survivalist vibration in the world and in the culture. We, we really like to have a real fixed identity, you know, Mm-hmm. an idea of who we're partnered with and what our path is and all of that. And uh, I don't know, my experience, and I can only speak for myself, seems to be that every time I'm pushed out of that uh, discomfort zone, um, as comfortable as it seems, if I can just stay with the process and have faith in the process and not jump onto a path for the wrong reason, there is some positive, transformative step waiting for me. And uh, I think the key is, is finding the comfort and the peace that you can in the heart of the tumult, but at the same time allowing yourself to stay with the growing edge of the tumult until it leads you in the next the next direction. Yeah, and do you think that that whole aspect of the soul pod, you, you know, when you make big changes and people mm-hmm. move out of your life, you know, there's kind of this empty place, at least temporarily, yeah. or it could be for a fairly long period of time, it depends on the individual, yeah. um, before you start to shift your frequency and then other people who perhaps are more like-minded kind of vibrate towards you. Yeah, and I think it's, again, it's that same experience. I imagine it as sort of like a, a monkey going from tree to tree. It has to, let's, as it's, there's a moment when it's letting go of the one vine and reaching for the next vine when there's this like place in between that feels, and that can feel terrifying. And I know for me in my 20s and 30s, I, I didn't, couldn't find people of resonance. I was really isolated and it made it that much more difficult. But now in Facebook Helps, the soul pod, you know, the people of resonance come mm-hmm. that can meet you at the next place and help to guide you to the other side of the river. And uh, I think it's important to look for those people, but not to look so hard for them mm-hmm. that we're avoiding our own individual process. You know, mm-hmm. I think we have to hold both of those things at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Facebook, too. It's lovely to get on there and, and be inspired by other people, too, that you've never physically met. Um, it's really profound. Um, yeah, your mother is absolutely right next to you. She's anxious. That could be part of your anxiety, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes when, when people have passed and they have a much bigger bigger picture than we have while we're in a body for most of us anyway. And um, she's seen so many changes up coming for you, even though she's on the other side and can see the big picture, she's nervous for you as well. Um, so um, that could be part of the anxiety that you're feeling. And I would just sit down and have a lovely chat with your mother about how much you appreciate her presence and how much you love her and that you're both okay. You know, you're both perfectly fine, a few dimensions away from each other, but perfectly fine. I think that um, then you'll both calm down and things will get a whole lot smoother, at least um, for a while. And then you can go back to that space in some way and, and let that rejuvenate you too. Well, it's interesting how um, just, hanging out and 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 jeff it's so funny because i just used the monkey on being on the monkey bars um image with somebody and i said you know i'm before you grab the next bar i feel like i'm hanging with one arm and you know there's people behind you saying come on you know it's like on the playground you know and i'm just hanging by one arm and the arm is sort of getting a little tired and (laughs) i'm trying to grab the momentum and and uh it's just it doesn't seem like the world allows you to just hang out because there, <laughs> you know, bills have to be paid. I mean, you know, yeah. there, there are no, definite pressures. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, doing the best I can with that. Um, I, by just saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But mm. um, 
I just wondered if there are any um, dates or points of reference, because it kind of feels like it's going on forever. <laughs> Jeff, did you want to speak to that? No, I think she, did you ask for dates or or points of reference? Yeah, yeah, I've been asking the universe about that. It's kind of like... Uh, mm, mm. I think that may be a question for you, Marie. Okay. You know, I think that that whole aspect of letting go is so huge, especially since you're in this major shift of change. I think looking forward to a date um, may give you something, um, some false hope, perhaps. Right. And, and I think it would be better if you could just learn to be comfortable with the way things are. And, and that actually makes things change to a more solid place sooner than you would imagine. But learning to just accept the way things are and learning to be comfortable in, in this discomfort as, as you're experiencing it. And I would really encourage you chatting with your mother because she just she just wishes the two of you, well, she wishes you could see her like she sees you and that the two of you could just chat it up. And it might just feel great to just speak to the air, you know, mm-hmm. like you are talking to your mom and explaining some of your woes or your worries and kind of feel her etherically, um, you know, cuddling you and uh, wishing you well and loving you. I think that that could be really helpful, but I don't see a particular date. And I, I really get the impression that um, you need to just be okay with, there is no date. Who knows? Okay. You know, just yeah. be okay with it. Uh, I also wanted to say, I'm looking forward to your, um, I guess you have a book signing in the San Francisco Bay area. I do. Uh, yeah. Oh. Actually, Jeff was there not too long ago. Um, I'll be at Mountain View in May, in May 11th. Yeah. So that should be well, really fun. I will, I will be there. Oh, wonderful. Then I get to <laughs> say hi and give you a hug. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. So, Jeff, about the Soul um, Pod group. So do you feel like you've found your Soul Pod now? Uh, I mean, I think the Soul Pod keeps changing. But, but yeah, I I mean, I do. You know, I think that on the very localized level, the people people closest to me are really resonant with who I am and have been around my process for a long time. And, And the larger group of people supporting my work are... It really feels really right on, and and the beauty of it is I dedicated this quotes book to the my social media support base, particularly Facebook, because oh, nice. so so much of what's happened for me now is that I'm you know before I was like running a business, I have a home improvements business, mm. and I was writing, and now I run a business and I'm dealing with all the energy around my work, and I'm finishing the film and and working on other books. So now I'm really overwhelmed, and so I really rely on their supportive energy. Um, mm-hmm. something that I didn't have before to pick me up and keep me going. And mm-hmm. uh, it's fantastic. Wonderful. And when will the film be out? Do you guys know yet? Yeah, I think we're done, the film. Um, and we're just in dialogues with, with, with various individuals about ways to bring it into the world. We'll definitely do a lot with trailering and social media. We're talking to some festivals about uh, opening the film there. So I, I think in the next four or five weeks at the latest, wow. uh, carmageddonthemovie.com website will be up and and then we'll be really clear as to directionality. Wonderful. Well, yeah. we're going to take a break here on the Remanu Cherry Show. I'm interviewing Jeff Brown, the author of Soul Shaping, and we'll be right back. You are always supported. You are never alone. From before you were born and throughout your whole life, you are accompanied by your spirit guides. 
Making contact with your spirit guides is just the first step on an extraordinary path to discovery. To find out how to make contact with the forces that have always been watching over you, join Marie at her Spirit Guide Workshop, Saturday, October 13th at the Lake Union Courtyard. This interactive day-long workshop will help reveal how you can deepen your relationship with your guides and increase their role in your life. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman. Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family, relocation, or just curiosity, call for a live reading Tuesdays at 5 p.m. And visit Deborah's website at DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. No, you're not alone. And it's not just you. The things you're experiencing are actually being felt around the world, and there is something you can do about it. Tune in for It's Not Just You with Lorelai Spiegelman, Susan Wayman, and Siobhan Mitchell, three professional women of wisdom who compare current events and how they offer you insight into your own personal world. Monday morning at 9 a.m. You made it. It's 2012 and the earth didn't collapse into nothingness. So what are your plans? You could go on as you have, or you could take advantage of these expanding times and learn how to ride the wave of happiness right here, right now. Riding the wave of happiness is a two-hour class taught quarterly on Thursday evenings at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. Come join in on the fun. Upcoming dates include May 17th and August 16th. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. Feed your mind and your body and spirit will follow. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. Tomorrow night, I will be at East West Bookshop in Seattle giving a book talk and a class on intuitive health. And you get a free book if you come to the class. This venue tends to sell out. So if you're interested, you definitely want to call um, East West Bookshop and reserve your um, time with them. You can go straight to my website, go under events and find all the links and phone numbers and all of those lovely things. On Thursday next week, I'll be interviewing Robert Taylor. I've interviewed him before. He's an Episcopal priest who has written a book called then a new way to be humans, lovely, wonderful man. Um, he was basically mentored by Desmond Tutu. So he's a lovely man who now lives in the Seattle area. And um, he and I will be at the Sun Valley Wellness Festival as presenters in late May in Idaho. So that'll be fun. You can find all of that on my website as well. And then today I am talking with Jeff Brown, the author of Soul Shaping, and uh, about this great new movie that you have coming up, that the website's going to be live in about a month, you, you figure. Yep. And yep. um, so what's been the most exciting thing about making this movie? Oh, finishing it. So, yeah. it's, been a labor, it's been a labor of hate for seven years. <laughs> oh, seven years. That's a long time. Yeah, no. Is I, that fairly I, typical of making? Well, no, I don't know. I mean, for non-filmmakers, it's probably typical. <laughs> uh, you know, I've developing a, developed a masochistic streak in relation to my purpose. And no, I mean, really finishing it is fantastic. I mean, we've been working at this film for so so long, with and not with a lot of time, you know, an evening a week. And it's just been with us and been very challenging just because we know so little about filmmaking. And um, but it really is a, you know, we've really come to feel that it's a, a fantastic film. And 
uh, a really heartfelt spiritual film, very intense and but and very balanced at the same time. And uh, it has wonderful interviews and dialogues with uh, with Ram Dass and Sean Sean Corn and David Permel and Matan, all kinds of really mm. brilliant people with brilliant opinions. And mm. uh, it's a, it's quite a film. It's called Carmageddon. The website CarmageddonTheMovie.com will be should be up in about a month, I think. Wow. And, uh, and we're moving into the festival and stage. So is there anything about it that you can tell us? You know, I, I know you can't tell us too much, but anything that you feel you can share? Yeah, it's a film about a spiritual teacher named Bhagavan Das, my journey with him. And uh, he's the guy who brought uh, Ram Das, then named Richard Alpert, to the feet of Neem Karoli Baba in uh, oh, in India. Yeah. And he's the one who used to say to Ram Das, would you just shut up and be here now? Because <laughs> Ram Das was head-tripping. And, yeah. and, and so he, you know, he became famous. So by the time he came back from India, Ram Das had already been back in America and had written beer now. He was now a famous guy. He was the guy identified in the book as the guy who knew it through, and he was solid through and through. And he was a really wise, very advanced soul. And, uh, and he just landed in my house, you know, uh, really? to, to stay with me, I think about seven years ago to do, he was leading yoga, chan, uh, uh, yoga teachings and doing kirtan chant. He's a great kirtan chanter. And so we just started to film a movie and, uh, he came back a number of times and, and, and so we had a whole journey of footage to work with and, uh, and the film has now really come together. I think a beautiful way. Well, and congratulations, because that's Thank a lot you. of energy and time oh, put into yeah, such absolutely. a production. And I love Ram Das Again, he's one of my favorite all-time teachers. I think he's yeah. just lovely and so adorable. Um, I mean, he's really, his energy is so pure. It, it I, just delights me. He's, 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 a, he's a beautiful grandpa. He's a beautiful <laughs> grandpa. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't th- I don't see him as a grandpa for some no. reason. I should, I guess. But, um, yeah, he's just adorable. He, he's hysterical, too. He's... he's um, I recently saw him in Maui, and uh, he he shared a stage with Eckhart Tolle and then um, Wayne Dyer. And sometimes he would lose his train of thought. You know, he suffered a stroke, and doesn't always have access to all of the languages in his brain. And when that would happen, he would just stop and be very quiet for a moment, and then he would just say "yum yum." And of course, I just delighted in that. It was like perfect every time he said that. He says, I mean, he's so much wiser than all of those characters. <laughs> he's he really is so deeply advanced and what's really beautiful about him and what's beautiful about him in the film is that he's so deeply human at the same time oh, completely he's modeling grounded embodied spirituality now and uh you know for that i you know i have grandpa transference transference to him he looks like my grandfather <laughs> really he's the grandfather i could talk to about really deep things oh yeah but Aww. uh he's 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 lovely, yeah, and I w- yep. would agree with you. You know how he just embodies humanness so graciously and peacefully and so lovingly. Yeah, he's yep. just yeah one of my favorites. So when we were on the break, I told you about one of my visions that I've had for a long time. It, it basically happens when I'm working with a client and they're talking about someone who cheated on them or their sister who stole the diamond ring from the estate or you know all these things and. And I, I get a picture of a courtroom and a screen comes up, you know, as the lawyer is, um, I guess I don't know the exact word, but interviewing someone on the on the stand. Yeah. 
yeah. cross-exam. Cross, thank you, cross-examining yeah. them. And uh, and the screen shows the past lives of everybody who's involved in the case. And, and then the story gets even more complicated. And, and then we right. have karma coming in. And, and now we're really wondering who is the really guilty person because... Yeah, and what's the deeper meaning of it archetypally? And what, what lessons were we here to work through? And who we were in the last time in relation to each other and all of that. I mean, you know, fantastic line of inquiry in a courtroom. Oh, you know? I, I just hope I'm here on earth when that actually happens, because I think it would be so fun to just, you know, to realize that we're just so interconnected and that our wounds could pretty much make us do anything. You know, we, it's unpredictable yeah. sometimes when yeah. our consciousness is that as um, maybe not as, as aware as we would like it to be. And, and I think it's fascinating. I think that we would have more compassion for our people um, if we could, you know, have more insight to that. Yeah, I mean, exactly that, to get out of the localized lens and to see all of this whole thing as part of a universal framework of perception. Through that lens, it changes everything. You know, one of the reasons I left trial law, I mean, it was clear that I had some other path inside of me, but part of it really was that I felt frustrated by limiting myself to the simplistic question of right and wrong. Um, Not that it isn't important to know if he did it or if he didn't do it. Society couldn't run without this question being asked, but... My soul really wanted to go to the deeper question of understanding what was sourcing behavior, what mm-hmm. was motivating behavior, mm-hmm. you know, what was mm-hmm. the broader framework, you know, mm-hmm. that was interplaying with behavior. And um, one day the courtroom, you know, I think criminal law will be the last thing to shift in society because we really need to hold that simplistic right, wrong, bad, good structure in place so that people don't act out and, and make expansion impossible because we're also bloody worried about being attacked all the time. But, <laughs> but the day will come when, you know, defense law will be very different. You know, it will be like, the question won't be, did he do it? It'll be, why did he do it? You know, right. what impacted on him socially, culturally, historically, karmically? What really, what is the interplay at work here? And uh, to, to me, it's just a, it's a fascinating question. So, you know, you're obviously intuitive, um, Jeff. So w- when you were working as a lawyer, um, I'm sure you got impressions, you know, ab- about why a person had committed a crime or um, why they were being accused of the crime if they were indeed innocent. And and so how did you deal with that, having that bigger perspective and then having to follow, you know, the regulations that you studied so hard and long for to obtain the knowledge about? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did one really big trial as an articling student that was took up eight months of my 12-month year. And you know, I had my own view as to what had impacted on that individual, you know, and, and what really happened, like what really went down, and and got information to support that, not just an intuitive level, but a, a tangible level. And But I, I was really experimenting with just playing the game and, and understanding on the most basic level the value of uh, a presumption of innocence framework. You know, mm-hmm. just a very simple question. It didn't matter if I thought he did it. It didn't matter why I thought he did it, if he did it. What really mattered was that he did ha- have a right to a defense. I mean, I'm a Jew, a firstborn Jew, so I understand <laughs> the importance of being able to stand up in the presence of authority and say, you got to prove that before you can imprison me. And, you know, I honor that and, and thank God for people like Eddie Greenspan and, and various Dershowitz in the U.S. and various people who've really made us aware of the value and necessity of a presumption of innocence where we test the crown or the prosecutor's case. And so I got really into that, you know, while I was at the same time holding this broader awareness perspective. And it was complicated. It's a complicated thing to be in both of those awarenesses at one time in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. It is. It I, is. I think it is really just an, confusing. I mean, 
it's got to be much harder, you know, obviously in a trial, but I think it's just hard in life in general. You know, people say one thing to us and all of our buttons can be pushed and we're frustrated and mad at them. And then really, I mean, we think we are, but we're really mad at ourselves and, you know, getting unhooked from all of that and coming back to center. And so, yes, it's got to be a hundred times more challenging when you're in court. Yeah. Yeah. And and the court is built around the game. I mean, at some point being the Buddha in a court is of no use to you. I mean, you're not going to win the case. You're not going, maybe in the jury address, you can soften it that way, but not in the cross-examination process. I mean, mm-hmm. you really you really have to go at them, you mm-hmm. know. And, and because I was a hustler and because I survived like that, it was real easy for me on one level to just help to write cross-examinations to shred the prosecutor's case. You know, I was really <laughs> oriented in that direction. It didn't feel dissonant to do that. It felt like part of who I was. It was just that there was a bigger part of me that was pushing up to try to take up more space. Wow. Wow. Lovely. Well, I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to, you know, move through all of that mentally and then spiritually and energetically and on a cellular level and be able to come out the other end and be confident with your decision. And because I think that's probably one of the most challenging things for people, you know, to be able to move through that steadily and be confident with their choice. That's really lovely. So we're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines. We have a caller, right, Eric? We do have a caller. We've got David on the line from Los Angeles. Great. Hi, David. Hello, Marie. Uh, blessings to you. Uh, you're and you are a blessing uh, on this earth. So thank you for being oh, here. You're welcome. Of course. What can we do for uh, you? Okay. Uh, I'll just make it brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you uh, suggest that I do uh, uh, for my health right now? Uh, mm-hmm. That's my primary concern right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just stop right there. Okay. So, Jeff, when you're counseling people who have health issues, um, what is something that comes up for you in terms of how to help them maneuver through? Because, you know, I believe dis-ease has a lot to do with our belief system. Um, The fear that we have in our body, of course, I think affects how energy moves in our body, which then can affect how um, our physiology and our anatomy is operating in the body. So what what are some of the guidelines that you have to help people move through health issues? I, I, I I, I almost never work with people. Uh, with wow. with acknowledged physical health issues for some reason. Um, I mean, it makes sense to me that I would try to understand it on the deeper level in terms of a truth ache. And mm-hmm. well, the truth ache, I love that. Well, absolutely. I mean, whenever I would... Now, this may not be at all David's experience, but what was true for me is that whenever I stopped honoring the push through to the next stage on my path of uh. sacred purpose, I would get physically unwell. Right. You had lots of sensitivities, actually. Quite a few. And food yeah. sensitivities and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Tons of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All kinds of ways for me to know. I mean, it's all in how you look at it, but all kinds of ways for me to know when I was mm-hmm. walking the wrong path. You mm-hmm. know? Oh, fascinating. So, so David, do you think that that is, um, is there something within your, uh, your mind, your own inner philosophy that you've been avoiding? And then I will tell you energetically what I see. I already drew out your energy and, and looked at it. Um, but actually, you, yeah, go ahead. Actually, yeah, I, I was, uh, there was a mis- misunderstanding on my part. Oh. I was asking you the question. And, I know. Uh, and not the guest, so I apologize. <laughs> no, no, you were that. doing great. Uh, I just, okay. I love to have uh, our guests' impressions too because I think that they have profound awareness and it could be different than mine and it could be um, helpful, very helpful for you. So, um, so energetically, when I look at your uh, energetic system, your seventh chakra is acting up quite significantly. You are losing a fair amount of uh, energy also from the back of your solar plexus, which governs the immune system, small intestines, endocrine organs, 
um, the liver, pancreas, gallbladder. So you have a big leak of energy at the third chakra, which is right in between your rib cage, but you're, you're leaking it at the mid-spine. And then your seventh chakra, which governs the peripheral nervous system and all of your skin, is acting up. So in other words, um, when I see this cone on top of your head, um, there's a lot of misfiring going on. So there's sparks, which look very pretty, actually, but from a metaphoric perception, they mean to me that the vortex is having quite a few challenges. You're, the energy that needs to flow in through the top of the head, which is basically um, feels like unconditional love from the heavens, so sort to of speak, there's a, a friction between you allowing that to move into your body and for, from you not allowing it to move into your body. So what I would recommend that you do is just tap the top of your head very, very gently and think of people that you really love, even a pet that you love enormously, um, and then transfer that love that you have for them towards yourself while you, um, I know this sounds a little complicated, while you imagine warm light moving in through the top of your head. That will calm down your peripheral nervous system because you're pretty anxious and stressed and worried. Um, and then you can actually take more steps to enhance your immune system. So so that's what I'm thinking first and foremost is getting that peripheral nervous system calmed down. Okay, thank you. You're and, welcome. Uh, I, will, I will be calling your office uh I spoke with Elisa, and I will be calling the office to make it. Okay, lovely. And and we both send you great, you know, healing energy and, and wish you a complete recovery with whatever you're experiencing right now. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. You Thank you. So, so that truth thing, um, Jeff, that's a hard one. You know, it's, it's a hard one for um, people to approach upon, um, to sit with. I mean, I, I think it's very challenging. I know when I was married... Um, I always had this smile on my face and people would ask me how I was and I would say I was fine. And I was in a, a very uncomfortable marriage and it took me, I, I would say a decade of marriage to know that I was unhappy, but then another decade to actually uh, admit that uh, there was re- really nothing I, else I could do but leave in order to find my real happiness. And it took me such a long time to um, to really face up to that truth. So how do you help people um, get comfortable with their truth ache as you described it? Well, I don't. I don't ever tell them they're going to get comfortable with it, oh. um, because uh, it's it isn't comfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's it's a part that uh, it's pushing up against another part. It's uh, you know, it's like as old ways of being be, old ways of being kind of digging their heels as the new way of being trying to push its way into consciousness. And and to me, it's about developing a, a capacity. What I use the term in real men, to hold everything at one time as part of our reality, to not see the shadow or the frustration or the negative thing as something to trip out of. You know, there's a lot of bliss trippers and there's a lot of substitute gratification oriented people in the mm-hmm. culture. And the mm-hmm. fast pace of the culture really encourages that movement away from sinking deeper into our wholeness and to understand that grief and discomfort and frustration and something called negativity are actually intrinsic to a whole human experience mm-hmm. and are actually the indicators so right. often of how to move forward to the next and best place on our path. And so I, you know, I really work with people to develop the capacity to excavate the truth ache, to deepen the truth ache, and to really listen to it, to learn how to interface with it until the message gets clear. Well, I, I love what you just said about the bliss trippers. I, I would say that, that that's exactly how I was. I, I'm actually experienced more bliss now, but it's authentic. You know, it's yeah, just absolutely. in the moment, you know, not yeah. because of something that I've said is okay and, and I force myself to be really, really happy. Yeah, so that's a hard one, you know, especially when you have a smile sure. on your face, you look good, 
or at least from that perception, you, you look okay. Your life's not a disaster. It's not hard. A, apparently, apparently not a disaster. Yeah. I mean, exactly that. And, the, you know, in a substitute gratification culture and a culture that encourages sort of ungrounded spirituality, like positivity that's not organic, forgiveness before you've actually worked through this stuff, you know, anger is not acceptable, uh, mm. grief is not acceptable, right. surrendering to the pain, looking back in the past is not acceptable. You can see how challenging it is to convey the message that all of that stuff is actually essential to your expansion. And uh, so we really have to move away from that, I, the idea that we're going to ask the universe for what we want, we get it. We really have to move towards the idea that we have to clear ourselves out on an authentic level and that then the universe responds to transformations on authentic dimension. That's gorgeous. That was beautifully well said. And I've completely enjoyed our time together. I've been interviewing Jeff Brown. He's the author of Soul Shaping. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure having you. And we look forward yeah. to your new book coming out and the movie as well. Yeah, we'll let you know. Thank you, Maria. I enjoyed my time. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. I'll see you on Facebook. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Alrighty, bye-bye. So we've been having a blast here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. And as I said before, I will be at East West Bookshop tomorrow evening between 7.30 and 9, and I'm teaching a class on intuitive health based on the book. And if you purchase this class, you also get a free book, and I'll be staying behind after the class to sign them for everyone. Um, East West Bookshop is one of my favorite venues, by the way. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, So I'm hoping to see you there and give you a big hug and um, write some special message into your book. You know, that's one of my favorite things to do, Eric, when I sign books is actually read someone's energy and then write something um, based on their energy. It's really kind of fun. I'm a little addicted, I'm afraid. Nice. Well, you were kind enough to do that for my copy of the book, and I never got to tell you. Thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. It's very nice. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. And then on um, April, oh, there we are, April 14th, on Saturday at 2 p.m., I will be at Village Books in Bellingham, Washington, also doing a talk and a book signing. So I look forward to seeing all the folks that I used to go to Bellingham once a month when my middle daughter was a freshman in college. She's now about to go to her PhD program. So it's been a little while since I was in Bellingham. And um, so I'm looking forward to giving people hugs and again, writing those special messages into the book. It's um, just a pure and wonderful pleasure. And next Thursday, we will have Robert Taylor um, in the studio uh, doing an interview on his beautiful book, um, which I'm super excited about. He is a lovely man, um, knows a lot of history about South Africa and actually fled from South Africa to the U.S., um, I think 20 years ago as a young priest. And um, he is a gay Episcopal um, priest. So he has a fascinating story in his new book, A New Way to Be Human. And we'll be talking all about that. I can't wait to um, talk with him again. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the show today. It was a blast. And thank you, Jeff, again, for being a guest on the show. And until next week, joyful blessings. Bye-bye.